Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. The Reds have just enjoyed a rare away day win with a 6-1 thumping of Leeds at Ellen Road. A long overdue brace from Jota as well as goals for Salah, Gakpo and Darwin Nunes gave Jurgen Klopp's side a big win against the Leeds side that offered very little of the expected resistance. I'm Chris Smith and joining me for this one are Ian Brown and the editor at liverpoolway.co.uk, Dave Usher. Needless to say, after chatting through the events at Ellen Road, we'll be talking about the Jude Bellingham situation too. Dave, goals from all the forwards, some brilliant counter-attacking play and some good finishing. Uh, Trent racking up the assists and even Jota finding the net a couple of times. It's a bit like old times, this. Yeah, it was. I think Jules said in the chat, didn't he? Leeds are so bad, they're making us look like 2019 Liverpool. And um, yeah, he's right. Uh, how much of that is us? How much of that is them? I don't know, but we'll find out over the next few weeks, I suppose, won't we? Um, in terms of the game tonight, I thought the first half an hour was awful we, we never looked like scoring at all and then the game changes completely from the moment we scored after that yeah it was just it, we just looked like ourselves again didn't we it was, it was really mm-hmm. good um <clears throat> responded well from giving away a stupid goal you know that it could have got ropey there 2-1 crowd back into it we've seen us struggle in those situations this season but there was no uh, no lack of composure we just went straight back up the other end Got it to three one, and after that, it was just like just vintage. Uh, so mm-hmm. all in all, it's a, it's a great night. Everything's gone the way we'd want it to. Uh, as for what I'm taking from it, I don't know. I, I I don't know whether to be happy about that tonight or even more pissed off because where was that <laughs> performance at Bournemouth when we actually needed it? You know, if we'd have played like that at Bournemouth, we'd be looking at a totally different situation. Now we'd be right on the heels of the top four as it is. You know, it's not it's not gone. You know, looking at the table there, it's actually the situation's not as bad as I thought it was. Other than if you're looking at Newcastle in fourth, I mean, you look at the the other teams around it. Like Villa had gone ahead of us, but we've we've got a game in hand on Villa, haven't we? I think we can go above them if we win the game in hand. Game in hand on Tottenham, uh, it were absolute dog shit. If we don't finish above Tottenham, then you know. We don't deserve anything because they're so <laughs> yeah, bad. bad. Um, Brighton, I thought Brighton were miles ahead of us. It feels like they should be. I think Brighton, if they hadn't been screwed so many times by, by like, <laughs> yeah, the officials this season, Brighton oh should God. be. Brighton deserve to be top four. I'd actually feel quite guilty if we end up finishing above Brighton because I don't think we deserve it. Um, but when you're looking at it, you're like, well, if we did go on a run. I think Newcastle might be too far away now to, for us to catch them. I don't know. But the other teams up there, you think we probably should catch them. But will we go on a run? Or I mean, if we don't win our next game, I'll be absolutely staggered if we don't win that. Surely we'll win that and we'll win it well. Because Forest away from home are just horrendous. But it's other games. You just don't know what Liverpool's going to turn up, do you? I mean, I like to think that with the players we've got coming back now, you know, like Diaz has, has come back tonight. I uh, thought he looked a little bit rusty, understandably, but just having him out there is great. Um, yeah. And you look at what we did with the subs, you know, the people that we were bringing on. You're like, fucking hell, Diaz, Nunez, uh, Thiago's coming on as well. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, you know, it's 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 looking it's looking good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bobby as well, like changing the front three just like that. And usually, like, you change the front three and you're thinking, okay, that's it, now that's, like, no more scoring. You're just bringing on players to just fill in and that. But we just brought on a whole new front three. I'm like, if there was another 15, 20 minutes left in this game, I reckon we'd probably score like another five with the players mm-hmm. that we brought on. So it's good that we've got the depth coming back now and options to bring on and that. But 
Um, you know, Klopp was saying about how it was the best performance of the season and the counter press was exactly what he wanted. And yet I see that. I actually thought as, as like although the first half an hour wasn't wasn't good at all in terms of creativity and, and you know, creating chances getting shot in. Without the ball it was really mm-hmm. good. And one player who who had single out for that was Curtis. Because a few times he gave the ball away, but the second he gave it away, he just went sprinting after it. And even if he didn't get there, it made them just like release the ball quick and then somebody else came. And I felt like that was the catalyst for all of that, which was just recovering mistakes. It's like, okay, we've given it away. Let's just get it back straight away before they can settle and get a couple of passes away. And that's not been there all season. You know, it's we give it away and then we're too slow getting to the press and they pop a couple of passes off and then before you know it, there's a ball in behind and they're running through on Allison. I mean, it's been happening all season. Didn't really happen mm-hmm. tonight. I thought even even when we weren't creating chances early on, I thought that side of it was good. But it was Leeds, and it's, you know they're they're pretty easy to play against when when it's not going well for them. You know if they get the tails up, the dangers. You don't really want to play against a team like that because they can make you look bad with just with the energy and everything. But they look like they they just look like they're, they're broken. They didn't even look like there was any spirit with them, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've just had the, the radio on and like there's Leeds fans ringing up saying like that manager's got to go. He's only been there like a few weeks, but he's got to go. He's lost the players already. So, yeah, I, I need to see more from us because we've been down this road before with big wins, good performances, not necessarily away from home. Although we did have that massive win against Rangers as well, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> but we've generally just not, not followed it up. So, yeah, I need to see more, but it does look like we're heading back in the right direction. Famous last words. Yeah. Um, Brian, as Dave says, we've been here before a number of times and Leeds were absolutely shocking, as bad as I've seen from a team all season, apart from maybe Man United at Anfield. But um, this was good to see, considering how many games of this ilk we've lost before against teams down there away from home. Yeah, that was going to be a point I was going to make, that it's easy to point out that the opposition is shit, but how many times have we played against shit opposition and shit the bed ourselves? So... You've got to look at it the other way and say that a lot of it comes down to what we did. But I'm going to piss on everyone's chips now because I had a cob on for most of that second half. I wasn't <laughs> celebrating anything I was watching. I was just sat there shaking my head like, where's where's this been all year? Yeah. I mean, that pressing was boss. It really, really was. And they've gone mad on Sky showing that one from, what, the 92nd minute yeah. and Klopp's reaction, which we'll get on to because mm. it was hilarious. But, it was. I mean, we, we were doing that all second half. I mean... To your point, Dave, we were doing it most of the first half as well, but especially second half. Mm. The intensity was off like off the scale, and I do not understand how you can just turn it on and turn it off like there's a switch. Like it makes no sense. Like I've come away from tonight with more questions and answers. Like I, I haven't and you I don't know if you saw the post match with Clap. Yeah. Cara was asking him quite pointed questions, wasn't he? I thought they were good questions, like quite probing. And you could see in Kloppo's face he he has he's got no clue, has he? He, he can't explain no, why suddenly yeah. they're doing it. Um, obviously, him and his coaching staff haven't got a clue, so we're not going to know, are we? But no, I was pissed off. I mean, if you look at that game in isolation, just take it away all of the context of the season. It was brilliant. Some of the football was unreal. Like Honestly, mm-hmm. there, there, was, there, there were a couple of moments towards the end of the game where even I was paired a little bit, even though I had a bit of a cob on. I was like, I mean, look at that. It's unbelievable. But yeah. no, fuck off. I'm, I'm, an, I'm annoyed. Like, And I would just probably say just put all your money on Nottingham Forest to get a point no. on the weekend no <laughs> not that, not away from home they're so bad away from home Brownie I mean they're bad enough at home as well but no 
if we were playing anybody else, I'm with you. It, like, even if we were playing Southampton, at, like, next week, I'd be like, ugh, don't know, I'm not taking anything for granted. Only the fact it's Forest and, and they are terrible. It's not that long ago we were saying even Everton the fucking beat us at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is the thing. This is just one of those mad seasons. I can't even begin to explain what I'm seeing from one week to the next. So I'm not falling for anything with this team. I need to see a lot more than, than just isolated victories and good performances. Yeah. I need to see them string a few together before I start thinking anything positive about them. In yeah. terms of it being a, a mystery, Brian, do you think it, it might just be the fact that like we've been sort of dancing around this all season and, and Dave's mentioned it a good few times in his match reports and that kind of thing. It's just the mentality thing. Like It's easy for them to get on song and get back into the old rhythms when the going's good, but when it's not so good, then we, we don't really see anything like this. Like it's, it's It comes down to kind of getting that first goal and getting a bit of momentum. And then when we've been at home, the crowd have helped as well. But when those things aren't, present and we concede first and the chips are kind of down then we haven't really seen anything like what we saw tonight as a response rather than something that's proactive from going ahead yeah yeah it's a fair point i mean the first goal was always going to be crucial wasn't it? and when you look at the first goal and even the second one it's no coincidence that they actually came from counter attacks where we've won like nicked the ball high up the pitch because right. The way that first half an hour was going, we were just passing the ball side to side, dead slow. Leeds were sat in there. There was no chance we were going to create anything playing like that. It was mm. going to come down to Leeds making a mistake or us nicking the ball quite high up, as we did with Trent. I mean, we can get on to maybe talk about the whether it was a handball or not, but he's nicked the ball high it up. Was. One, two. Yeah, it was, I think, as well. One, mm. two, and then suddenly it's in the back of the net. And even the second goal as well, as well to counter attack, in it? Yeah. Because there's no way we were going to break them down. Nope. And that, that's the. The thing for Leeds there, what they've got to be pissed off about, was they, their, their plan was working, really. We, we ain't getting anywhere. We were, I was getting frustrated, whether the players on the pitch were, I don't know. But I was getting a bit frustrated watching it, and then all of a sudden you just give a goal away. And then they came out second half and had a go, didn't they? Obviously, Canate's mm-hmm. made that mistake, and then they've thought, hang on, we're back in this. And then suddenly they were leaving themselves like 1v1 at the back, and we just... To- totally took advantage of it so even in that sense Chris I wouldn't take a lot out of it I think the way the game's mm-hmm. gone it's fell perfectly into the kinds of things that we need to be able to feed off this season it's not not as if we've actually gone and knocked the door down ourselves I think there's been a little bit of help on the way with it yeah yeah definitely um, I mean you mentioned the first goal and Trent's role in the first goal uh, Dave what did you make of how we lined up tonight with Trent sort of playing as a centre midfielder for most of the time especially when we had the ball and Canate just more or less being a hybrid centre back right back yeah obviously he did that last week against Arsenal but I felt like it was a lot more pronounced tonight absolutely but then that's because the, the opposition I suppose we didn't really have to do any defending whereas last week Trent still got to be aware of like Martinelli on that side I know the longer the game went on the more Canate just dealt with that and Trent didn't really have to worry too much but in the first half Trent was still having to fill in at right back a fair bit whereas tonight he was, he was basically just in midfield most of the game wasn't he he didn't really have to do mm. much at right back and Initially, like the you know the first twenty minutes or so, I was like I wasn't completely sold on it. Like not that Trent was doing anything wrong. I thought he he looked fine, but I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a lad who's like leading like the leading assists in Europe over like the last five years, whatever. And we've had so much from him in those wide areas, putting like great balls in and that. And then 
he's in the middle just playing like tippy tappy with with Fabinho, like in little short passes and not really going anywhere. Again, not not a criticism of Trent. They had everybody back behind the ball. It was difficult at times. And then the longer the game went on, just the more influence he had. And I, I thought he was man of the match tonight. I thought he was our best player. I thought he was outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. It is interesting, like the role, and I'm not getting too excited by it for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, I don't know if we're going to be doing that all the time against like better opposition. And secondly, how long before teams figure out a counter to it? You know, at the moment, like it's fairly yeah. new. That you know, the the used to us playing a certain way, and they've been targeting Trent defensively and all that. And then all of a sudden, you can't do that because he's not there. Canate is just completely shutting down that side of the field. And the other reason why I'm a bit like reluctant to to go all in on it is what happens if Canate is not playing. I don't think you can do mm-hmm. that. But you know, as much as I love Joel Matip, he's not had a great season. And even Joel Matip at his absolute best, I still wouldn't want him in that role. Whereas Canate, he's like he's he's so fast and aggressive, and you know you're not going past him. He's like he's strong. He just he'll he'll just. But people try to run at him, and it's embarrassing. You know, watching him, he just takes it off them with such ease. And you know he can shut down that whole side of the field because the presence that he's got. Now, if you take him out and you're playing like Joel there or Joe Gomez, I don't think you've got that like solidity there. So mm-hmm. that's something else that you you have to be like a little bit wary of, especially because Canate's had had injuries as well. It's not like you can rely on him to be there every week. But while he is there, yeah, you can do that. You, you can put Trent there because Canate is just going to shut it down. And yeah, he's got Trent can come over there and cover when need be. But when we've got the ball, Trent's just going to be in midfield, isn't he? And then you're shutting down counter attacks. And it also gives Fabinho a little bit of help in the middle as well. You know, somebody else in there with him. So Fabinho's not getting exposed as much. And yeah, I thought Fabinho looked quite good tonight again, but it was a pretty easy game for him. Mm-hmm. Brandy, what do you make of it? Because it's, it's kind of a big deal, really. It's, it's something that people have been saying for a long time in terms of trying to progress Trent out of that right back position where he's vulnerable or at least give him more support like if this is a taste of what we can expect in the future how do you see it do you think it's a good idea do you think it's something that could be quite positive for us or do you think it's potentially a waste of Trent's strengths no like I I think it's interesting um I I thought the same as Dave in the first half to be honest I felt like him and Fabinho were getting in each other's way a little bit and Sometimes the ball was getting whipped out to Mo, and you're so used to like Mo receiving the ball, and then you've got Trent just bombing on, yeah. overlapping, mm-hmm. and it and it wasn't there, and you were thinking, well, what's Mo expected to do now? He's up against two people. There's no one making a decoy run, so all he's going to do then is just lay it back into midfield, and then you're just going to keep recycling the ball like right to left, right to left, and that's what kept mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Um, but as the game opened up, that's when it became better for Trent because suddenly the spaces for him to start pinging those diagonals in behind, and that's where he came game through really wasn't it and mm-hmm. I think I saw the stat before they had about 140 touches or something in the game which is really wow. high and and he's the type of player you want to be having the touches and getting on the ball so it, it's a sample size thing isn't it simple as that really and it's going to come mm-hmm. down to the quality of opposition you may find that it'll work in certain games and there'll be other ones where you absolutely don't want to do it um, but it's interesting isn't it that 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 
debate's been there for a number of years about getting him into midfield and he's kind of playing in midfield but he's not yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a really creative way of doing it by saying well when we've yeah. got the ball you will be a midfielder but as soon as you lose it he has to do like a 10 yard shuttle run to get back into position to defend against mm-hmm. the winger so an interesting way to do I think it's just watch his space isn't it really yeah you d- I did notice that a few times tonight that as soon as, soon as we lose the ball he does just sprint yeah. to that right hand side I thought it kind of um, it helped Gakpo a little bit as well because when Trent's operating in that sort of like deeper position, it kind of draws some of their midfielders towards Trent, like to try and get a little bit of pressure on the ball when he's got it because he's so dangerous with it. And I thought that opened up a little bit of space for like Gakpo to drop into, and then you know when you've got the threat of the diagonals as well, it, you know it might work. It might be something that we can, it, you know, the next stage of Trent's career, and we've all been looking for a way that we can get the best from him while sort of hiding his weaknesses. So I've got an open mind about it. I think I felt early on it was, I wasn't too sure. And I was sort of, I said to you, David, it's kind of like, well, is this just something that we're doing because like Guardiola's done it and Klopp's seen Guardiola do it with like John Stones. Arteta's done <laughs> and, it with Zinchenko as well. Yeah. It's like a new so, fad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, um, the only other yeah. thing um, with that is, obviously you've got to see what teams do to counter it. But we've said, haven't we, like, you know, not that we'd, like, given up on the season as such, but it's like, okay, look, this is probably done. Top four's probably gone. We, we've got nothing to lose now. Why don't we try some things? Let's have a look at things for moving forward for next season, things we can do. And that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, I'm not saying I'd have specifically done that. What I'm saying is we wanted to see something different rather than just doing the same stuff over and over that wasn't working. It's like, look, just experiment. Let's see if there's something that we can take for next season. You know, it's, try things, mm. see what works, see what doesn't, see what you want to keep. And this is exactly what, what like we wanted was something a bit different. We're doing that and it's worked pretty well so far. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I want to touch on the 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 full week of training like Klopp's going on about we had a great week and it makes such a difference when you've got time to work on things and all that and that, that's all true but how many times have we had that full week of training and he said like going into the game training's been great this week you know looking forward to seeing what we do and then we've been shit and tonight was like he's saying all the things that we've done all week I've seen all of it tonight so, you know, that's a good thing. And we're not going to have too many midweek games as well. So hopefully we can see a bit more of that. You know, they can, like, work on something. Like you've, you've got this trend thing that we're doing now. Maybe there'll be something else different that we do with, like, with one of the forwards or something or find a way to actually get Darwin on the pitch, like, to, to be starting games. Not that that's going to be easy now when Jota's scored twice and had an assist, mm-hmm. despite looking fucking absolutely <laughs> wretched oh, in the first half. We need to talk half. about that. <laughs> I mean, the first half, how many times did he give the ball away? It was like every time he got the ball, he just lost it. It was an embarrassment. It was an absolute embarrassment how much Uh, he lost it. I, I actually, couldn't believe uh, what I was watching. I said to Chris, like, I, I said, uh, I said, like, I honestly think 35 year old me would would be better. Steady would, would have done better. No, no, wait, on. wait for it, wait for <laughs> it. I said, think 35 year old me could not have been worse than Jota tonight. And Chris went, I think you right now couldn't have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all, doesn't it? That shows you how, how bad he was. Yeah. But then. I mean, he's done really well on the second goal. Like that was that was quality. Right. Like the, the he wins the ball, he carries it, and I'll be honest, when he won that and he was carrying it forward, I was expecting him to just completely fucking make a mess of the pass yeah. or try to use Mo as a dummy and and go past someone and lose it. 
and he didn't. He, he played the right ball. Mo scored, and I felt from that moment like Jota was just he was into it then, and mm. he gets himself a couple of goals. Hopefully that kickstarts him now. That was that that was that cliche, wasn't it? You know where they say about you scored a goal and you can visibly see a player's confidence yeah. go through the roof. You yeah. could see it with him, couldn't you? He, Definitely. He suddenly he didn't look shit. He looked. Okay, mm. and and both finishes <laughs> were really good, weren't they? To yeah, be they fair, yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Like the first one's a sneaky good finish, um, considering he hasn't scored for so long as well. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think like both of the finishes are really good, um, and I don't think the keeper could do anything about them. But I do think like we need to talk about that Leeds keeper because <laughs> I've been saying all season in the roundups, he's absolutely horrendous. Don't and save anything, does he? No, all. that's <laughs> the thing. The stat came up like the last ten <laughs> shots on target had gone in. It was like five from Palace and five from us, and then he made a save, didn't he? Like where it just kind of hit him. I think that if someone crossed it from the left, and I think it might have been Gakpo or, or Jota, just got like a toe on it, and it but it's gone straight at him and hit him. I'm like that's the first thing he saved in two games. <laughs> He's terrible. I mean, even Mo's goal in the first half, like nobody mentioned it. And it was all like, oh, you know, what a great finish. I mean, I'm sorry, but you should not be, most should not be scoring with that type of shot from there. Like, there mm-hmm. is no way Allison gets beat there. Allison's, Allison's either out smothering the shot or he's covering that side of the goal because the defender's covering the other side of the goal. He can't go across goal because the defender's blocking that. The only place he's going is that corner. And he may as well not have been in the goal. He was just stood in the middle of the goal doing nothing, not impacting the, the, the play at all. He's terrible. And if Leeds go down, he's the main reason why. They should have binned him mm. off months ago because every week I'm watching Match of the Day, I'm like, he's a fucking clown. Why are they still picking him? I don't know who their backup goalkeeper is, but I'll bad must he be if he's not getting in and that's like three managers yeah. in a row have been right. picking this yeah. Um I mean I you, you said Mo's first was bad his second was even worse that he just made himself dead little like Dean Anderson did at Old Trafford a couple of seasons ago and just left the whole of that side of the goal open for Mo <laughs> oh, to put it in the it. Dean Anderson one that, that, <laughs> that was never been that, that. no <laughs> nothing it wasn't far off glow. nothing comes close to that though that was unbelievable I've never seen anything like that <laughs> But yeah, I know what you mean, but well, the Dean Anderson one, that was... yeah. <laughs> you, I can't believe you just reminded me of that. I'm just laughing now because that was just so funny. It was fun. But yeah, he doesn't Should... save anything. He's he's terrible. Should we backtrack a little bit and, and talk about the first goal? Because it was the yeah. pivotal moment in the game. As yeah. we've as we've kind of said, like we weren't up to much until we scored and then we really got motoring when we did. And um, we mentioned briefly that Brownie was kind of like perhaps a little controversial call with the ball coming off Trent's elbow in the build It's not and a build-up. It's ball. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Is, I'd be pissed well, off if the ball gets given against us for that. Because I'm not sure what the handball rule is precisely anymore. Like, if... Is that is that like a technicality of VAR where it can't be given because it's not the the pass it's the pass before the pass? Or is it... No, they it, just rule that it's not handball? It's... You can't... Like, I think what it is, it's the one with, like, if you directly assist or you score and you handball it, VAR can get involved and, and rule it out. That wasn't the case there, but VAR can still get involved as, as far as I know if they think that's it's deliberate. Now, but the question mark would be is how far back it is as well. Um, yeah, but it's that, not that, that far back, is no, it? No, I agree, it's not. So but it's not, I don't they, know they, what well, the they did go back and They did go and look at it. They, they looked at it and just let the goal stand. So they did go back and look. So it wasn't that it was too far back. But when they look at that, it's about... Is it deliberate or not? Now, it's not deliberate as such 
but he does stick his arm out and hits it with his mm-hmm. elbow. It's an instinctive thing, yeah, isn't and it? Then so he, the ball's and then flying at him, so his after, arm goes up. After it hits him, he sort of flicks his arm. So he's not gone in thinking, I'm going to handball this, but it's not just like his arm's by his side and the ball's hit him. So to me, it's like that. They should have, the VAR should have disallowed it. But the bigger issue here is the linesman, sorry, the referee, and to a much greater extent, the linesman. The linesman's got an absolutely perfect view of that. How are they not giving it? You know, it, people can talk about like VAR should do this, but VAR probably did have the hands tied to some extent. They had to decide, well, is that deliberate or not? But if they'd have just done the job and just like immediately given it, which they should have done. Then you know you, you don't have that situation. I'd have been they hide so behind pissed Vado, off. don't they? So yeah. they've probably they've let it go because yeah. they've thought like he'll sort it out rather than us having to make a decision. That's but then what they do. it doesn't work like that because Var's like, well, he didn't directly set up the goal from from that moment, you know. So that's why it's like it's not because it, it comes off him and then Mo gets it, doesn't he? And then Mo plays mm-hmm. it to Trent who overlaps. So they can't say he's, it's the pass before the goal because it isn't. So. VAR's like got to decide is it deliberate or isn't it and that's the only decision they make and they've made the decision not enough there to say it's deliberate so they can't disallow the goal yeah. but it shouldn't have come to that because the linesman's looking right at it and from his angle he can see the outstretched elbow and you know, it's it's mad that he didn't give it but as you say a lot of the time they're just not given decisions because they think VAR will bail them out I haven't got a clue anymore back nah. to Chris's no, point about the handball specifically I don't know you see so many different examples uh, every single week and it just it's a bit of a lottery as to what referees yeah. on and what decision you're gonna get there's no consistency whatsoever um and the the rule itself's just got massive gray areas hasn't it so i don't know how you're ever gonna get um a situation where everyone's gonna be happy i just don't think all, it's possible all you can say about that there's some some handball decisions and and like you look at it and you go i don't even know you know you can give that either way i don't know that one, no, that, that's handball, that should mm-hmm. not have counted. Uh, so we've got lucky there, really, because if Leeds score the first goal, it's a totally different game, I think. But, sure. you know, we get yeah, that, right. then we get a quick second, and then suddenly tails it up, we're looking confident. Leeds come back and get a goal, but then we respond well, and then after that, like, you know, the confidence is just there then. But if, if we don't get that, that breakthrough, because we were struggling at that time, we were not looking yeah. good up until we got that goal. So it did change the game, and, you know, we've definitely caught a break there. I think part of the issue with with VAR and the reason we're still getting these wrong decisions all the time is because, like you say, the refs hide behind the VAR and thinking they'll sort it out. And then the VAR hides behind the on-field decision and more often than not sticks with it. So you've got this double-edged sword of both both, um, referees hiding behind each other and then that's why you end up with the, the, the wrong decision standing or not being given in either circumstances. So it's... Yeah, they need to sort that out, but no no faith there. Um, so, yeah, you're right, we're 1-0 up. But Trent sort of like, nice one-two with Mo, easy square in it for Gakpo. You know, he couldn't, really, really couldn't miss from there. And then five minutes later, it's it's 2-0 from Mo. And we've already really talked about the goal there. Jota wins it back um, and lays one on for Mo. Nice left foot finish into the corner, but again, the keeper nowhere. And... Um, you know, all good at half time, but like Brownie, I was sort of like I didn't celebrate either of those goals. And normally, when that happens, it's just because VAR. It's just it was just kind of a sense that oh, okay, <laughs> we've scored. And like, yeah, it's just, it's a strange feeling having getting to this stage of the season for once, and mm. goals going in away from home, and you're just like meh, okay. I was exactly the same, yeah. I was me watching too. it with my lad and he was saying to me, Daddy, why aren't you celebrating? <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't want to be too negative. Yeah, look at the league table, son. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, 
it just like what is there to celebrate? You know, we're not going for anything. Did that that game only meant one thing, and that was for Leeds. It wasn't for us. We're not going to achieve yeah. anything the rest of this season. So. And Everton. What what am I? Yeah, Everton as well. There is that. that although I don't know, there's a little bit of me that's kind of as much as I would love them to go down. I'm still far more interested in us winning a game than anything to do with them. Um, but now, yeah, Brownie, just... I said like, um, you know, me and you weren't celebrating the goals. Dave was like, active, they're fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was on the Everton forum, sorry. I'm like, oh, now red you shade. decide you're going to play, you shade. fucking dickhead. <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, it's just, um, yeah, I don't even know what you asked me, to be honest. I'm lost. You were talking about Kyle. Was was Kyle saying, like... Yeah, where, he was just... he Was just, Was he asking where Nabby was and why you didn't get a shirt with his, yeah. <laughs> Nabby's name on it? Swiftly moving on. Why have you got um, me this fucking Carvalho shirt, Dad? That was his choice, Dad. <laughs> He's never even on the bench. Yeah, we need to speak about him. Fucking hell, disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But um, then, but look at the bench tonight, and you can understand why he's not on it. You know, we've we've got like a lot of quality on the bench. It's the other games when we haven't had that, and he's still not being involved. That's where the issue is, really. I mean, you can't really flags, expect it, him really? to get on. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. expect him to be on the bench tonight, though. With with who we had on there. No. No. I mean, there's talk of him going out on loan next season, though, isn't there? Well, why didn't we just do that? Why didn't we just let Fulham keep him? Yeah. Like I understand I think in hindsight, the that been, with Yeah, no, that would have been the best yeah. thing in hindsight, wouldn't it? Coming into the, mm-hmm. the league and they've they've done well this year as well, haven't they? You might have benefited from being yeah. amongst that for the year. Yeah, definitely. Um so half time all good, two nil up. Um but it was another example, Dave, of just a little bit of a flat start to the second half and we looked a little bit sort of complacent. Um Canate gets robbed, which is a kind of shame because he he was imperious yeah. throughout the game, apart from that one moment. And it's a nice finish from the lad, Sinistera. Um, that's kind of the only way to beat Allison in those situations, isn't it? He's so quick out to you, and you have to be really deft with the finishes because if you try and blast it, he's just going to stop it wherever you put it. And all of a sudden, it's like game on again. The crowd are back into it, and we're kind of like thinking, oh, here we go again. Yeah, I, I think initially when it happened, I was I was like, oh, what are you doing, Konata? You know, that's, you're just taking the piss. And then I watched it back and I'm like, he wasn't trying to do anything daft. He was just a little bit slow in what he was... What, he was just trying to play it back to Alisson, but he was just took too much time to do it and the lads pounced on him. Initially, I thought he was, like, fucking about on the ball, but he wasn't really. Uh, he's just got to be quicker than that. But apart from that, I thought he had an absolutely brilliant game. So not really worried. It's not something he's, he's done before. Um... You know, he's prone to those kind of things. So, um, better to do it in a game like that tonight than than when it's like really important. But uh, we bounced back well from it. That was that was a really big positive point. We, we didn't yeah didn't really look like we were under pressure, even though they got to two one. And never never felt like oh, oh we're rocking a little bit here. We just carried on playing our football. It actually played into our hands though, didn't it? Because yeah. it gave them encouragement, and the then space. suddenly they started charging mm-hmm. out of position, and we just picked them off. Yeah. That was how it went. The exact same thing happened to them last week with Palace. Because, like, I seen the score. I'm like, fucking hell, they got B5-1 around by Palace. That's horrendous. And then, like, when I watched the highlights of the games, like, they were really good in the first half. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they, when they fell behind, and as soon as they fell behind, they just went kamikaze. They were just, like, piling forward. And Palace were just picking them off on the break. It's not like a five-on game where Palace had just battered them. It wasn't like that. It was just Leeds just being suicidal, and they did the same thing tonight. I mean, it was like I think it got to it was like four-one, maybe five-one actually, when they eventually they made substitutions and were like, okay, look, sit behind the ball, let's keep the score down. 
because I was like wanting us to make the subs earlier. Like, <clears throat> get Darwin and Diaz on now while the game's like this, and they'll fill mm-hmm. the boots. Uh, but by the time we made those changes, Leeds had, had just dug in <clears throat> and were just like trying to keep the score down, and they weren't leaving gaps. They were just sitting back, and we were content to just pass the ball around a bit there. But there was that spell for about 15, 20 minutes where they were so open, and every time we got the ball, it looked like we were just going to fly past them and score. Yeah. It's mad though, isn't it? Because if you, if you look at that Palace game last week, they were one 0 up and they conceded that equaliser in first half stoppage time. So they've effectively conceded five and forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. The goal to, the first goal tonight came on the thirty-fourth minute, so they've conceded six in fifty-six minutes. Yeah. So it's just like fucking out at home when you're at the bottom of the league. Like it's like you cannot do that, can you? Like and expect to stay up. No, and they've got good attacking players. You know, even even on their bench. You know, they've got that Somerville and Nonto, mm. both really dangerous, skillful, fast players. Um, my boy Bamford wasn't playing tonight, but, you know, the other lads he played up front, he's, I think he's their top scorer. He's had a good season until he got injured. So they have got, like, attacking talent, and they've got good midfield players as well. Oh, Tyler Adams is injured. That's a massive blow for them. I really like him. I think he's, he's quality. But they yeah, have got good players. But the defenders are just shit, and then that goalkeeper. It's like they may as well just play without a goalie and just play an extra, <laughs> an extra midfield player or something, and just try to keep teams away from the goal. Because as soon as they get near the goal, it's in. That yeah, third goal nice. was scandalous from their side. When you watch it back, I mean, it comes from a throw in from us, mm-hmm. and it's getting thrown into Gakpo, and the centre half decides to just charge out the position, misses the ball, and then suddenly there's a big massive gap and there's an overload and then and that's that, it, just go. Well, then um, after that, that Fairpo does the same thing. He comes charging out of Curtis yeah. and misses it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible. And then, and then like right three back or comes four across. versus mm-hmm. two, in it? And there's a mm-hmm. huge gap. Mm-hmm. For, I mean, it's a great ball from Curtis, but the gap's there, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's just ask, it's begging for that pass. Yeah. It, the weight of the pass is what makes it. It's a brilliant ball. Perfect. Um, but, but just a huge gap. It's, it's just ridiculous. You can't allow that to happen when you've just got back into a game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brownie, we we did mention Curtis earlier and and how important he was to the press in the first half. Um, he's he's played a beautiful ball, got an assist there. He's this is the third game he started in a row, and this is something that we wanted to see, like him getting. I think it was the last time we were on the pod to, all together. It was during the international break, and we were just happy because Curtis was getting some game time for England under twenty ones, and since then he started every game for us. And he's looked pretty good. I thought he was arguably our best player against Arsenal until he was taken off. I didn't agree with that decision at all, but it was obviously something that was pre-planned to get Thiago minutes and to keep him sort of fresh and fit with this, what we're learning about his um, rotation in terms of when he can train and when he can't. But another really solid outing for him tonight and where he sort of did everything that you want from him and actually looked like there was a little bit of, like, je ne sais quoi to his game as well for the, you know, when we've seen him so reserved in a lot of uh, occasions he's been on the field this season and even last season. Yeah, there were some better glimpses, more encouraging signs from him. I don't hate him, and you're going to say that. He's not my cup of tea as a player, just because he takes too many touches, but there there were definitely examples in the second half where he was moving the ball a little bit quicker. There was also examples where he wasn't. Yeah, that Um, was, that's fair. He's he's got that... I feel like I just say the same stuff about him all the time. He needs to run the games. That's clear because he's he's clearly got issues with fitness, and we've spoken about it um, at length, haven't we? About this kind of growing pains, all that kind of stuff. He needs that run of games. He's clearly got ability, but I'm again, I'm very much similar with the team. I'm not getting fooled by little snippets. I need to see something a little bit more prolonged before I start getting excited about him. I know Dave, you're his biggest fan. 
Um, well, so Paul might have something decent. to say about that. Yeah, maybe. But he's, mm. he's, the, the lad's clearly got ability and he's had a good game. Yeah. He did. All, I, I actually didn't think he did that well against Arsenal. He was doing my head and he just kept taking okay. too many touches again. Um, I'd, I need to see more from him over a, over a spell, basically, before I start thinking he's got much of a future there. All I say to that, I, I don't, I don't disagree. He does take too too many touches at times, but I suppose it depends what are you actually looking for for him to do. What what you need him to be. If you're looking at him to be like first name on the team sheet in midfield, you know, build your midfield around him, and then you're judging him like that. Well, yeah, he's going to come up short. But I'm looking at him and thinking, can he con- contribute? Is he someone who we can have as like maybe our like number five or even number six midfield player? Someone who's going to get like 15 to 20 starts at, at, over the course of a season in all competitions and, and someone you can bring off the bench. Can he do that? Is he good enough? Is he bringing enough to the table to fill that role in the squad? That's what I'm looking for. him. I'm not looking for him to come in and just be like the best player on the pitch every game. I want him to just be himself, you know, show us what he can do, not be too safe all the time. And there were signs there tonight. He did. There was a few things he did that I was like, oh, that was quality. And then there's other times you think, oh, you've got to release that quicker. But, you know, it's his third start in a row and he's hardly played all season. Now, all I wanted was to see him, I said like a couple of weeks ago, play him in every game. Let's just have a look. We know what most of the other players in the squad are. We know what they are. We know what they're likely to, to bring to the table and what they're not going to bring to the table. But there's loads of question marks about Curtis Jones. We don't know. It's like, is he someone who we can say next year? Yeah, definitely important part of the squad. He's going to be involved quite a bit, even though he's not going to be in our first choice three. He needs to do enough between now and the end of the season to establish himself in that role. And I think this is what we've seen, like... Promising, yeah. If he can keep this up, then absolutely he can he can fill that gap in the squad. We've been for here us. before, though, haven't we? A we have, but then he gets injured, and you know. But that's yeah. not really his fault. That's just I don't think he's injury prone. It's like the the injury that he's got. It's just it's something that sometimes young players go through these things. Now it was a little. It was interesting because like. I've been complaining on the pods about what well, he's not even on the bench against Man City, and then all of a sudden you're starting him in the next game. You know what the hell's going on there? And then I, I don't think the club done Curtis any favors with this. They've not really like they didn't say anything about it, and it's only like there's an interview with uh, Curtis, and he explained it, and he's like, no, I'm on like a special program where I train for four days, and then the fifth day I've got to rest, and if that fifth day is a match day, then I'm not in the squad, I'm I'm not involved, and the Man City game was the fifth day on his on his schedule, so if that's the case from now to the end of the season or whatever, well he might miss some other games if that if that falls on like the fifth day of his routine or whatever. But at least we know that now and we're not gonna be like, oh he must have been shit in training, or oh he must have a bad attitude, mm-hmm. he's not even on the bench. All of that because people have been speculating about all that because if you're not being told, look, he's not available, that's why he's not involved, you're gonna just guess, aren't you, and think, well, why how come like he starts that game? And then he's not on the bench. What what's happening there? At least we know now. There's nothing wrong with his attitude. It's like it's nothing to do with how he's doing in training or whatever. It's purely just about fitness. And when he's fit, he's involved. Whether he's like a sub or if he's starting. But I'm just glad that we're actually because the easy thing to do today would have just been like, oh, let's just start Tiago. He's back now. But we know right. what Tiago is. There's there's no no question marks about Thiago's ability and what he what he brings that's we know he's like top quality now his fitness issues are 
another issue entirely. But we know what Thiago is, but we don't know what Curtis is really and, and what he, he can be. So I want to see more of him, and I'm glad that he's been starting these games, and I think he played well enough tonight that he should start the next game as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, while we're on the subject of Thiago Brownie, um, should we be looking to move him on this summer, do you think, if we're bringing flesh blood in the midfield, or would you try and keep him around if if the... Um, you know, if there's no takers for him. A lot of that's going to depend on who we're going for in midfield, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to get on to the Bellingham thing, aren't we, later? I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm totally open to him going. I, I love him. I think he's a fantastic player. There's no doubt in that. He's contributed a lot since he's been there. But if him going means that we would be able to open up space in, in terms of numbers and finance for someone like a Bellingham, then, yeah, no problem whatsoever. It, it just very much depends on who the targets are in midfield. But I'd be open to it. There's a few of them I'd be open to, to letting go, to be honest, not just in midfield, all, all throughout the team. Mm-hmm. It's harder to say that after you've just gone and won a game 6-1 away, isn't it? But yeah. we've been saying yeah. it for the last few days and we, it's still something that we have to we have to look at based on the season as a whole. We can't be kidded yeah. by the odd good performance. We've got to look at the whole year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just think yeah. we've got to be a bit more pragmatic about what we do. Right. We'll hold that thought then. We'll, we will come back to it. Um, let's just come back to the game for a little while. Like we almost went four-one up. Um, it would have been a really nice goal. It was such a shame that it was Verge was just like a armpit offside or whatever. And nice little work free kick from Trent when everyone thought he was going to shoot and uh, cut back from Verge and a tap in from Mo just offside. Shame because it was executed beautifully apart from just slightly yeah. mistiming that run. Um, but then we didn't have to wait very long, like four minutes, until we we did go four one up, and it was I think I think this was the goal of the night. Um, like beautiful stuff from Robbo, just bursting mm. through, bursting past the fullback, and a perfect little cross into Gakpo. And the coolness and the calmness of Gakpo there was just fantastic to take it down. It wasn't an easy ball to control, but he brought it down and laid on Mo, and a good finish. And that was just probably the goal of the night from my point of view, Dave. Yeah, it was a great goal. Absolutely brilliant goal, um, and it was like what Jules was saying about it looking like twenty nineteen Liverpool. And it did. It was just it was absolute quality. Um, Gakpo, I thought Gakpo was really good tonight, and I still I just don't know. Like I don't want to get completely convinced by him because he's had games where he's not really done much as well. But you see like plenty mm. of good things, and you think yeah, you know he he could be really 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 good. But I'm not prepared to go there just yet. I've got to see it more from him, like more consistently. But in the flashes that we've seen from him, there's been things to really get excited about. Thought he was excellent tonight again. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I think the the thing with him is that we'll be able to judge him better next season. Obviously, when he's had the full preseason with us, and hopefully, like he's obviously he's come into a struggling team, and at times he's been a real spark for us. Like he's provided. Yeah some beautiful little touches and you can see the potential there. I think you're not quite prepared to commit to him yet for one reason, because if he's our, if he's our main centre forward moving forward, then I think that you, you know that that's going to limit your boy Darwin's chances through the middle, which is wow. where you see him. So I don't mind Darwin on the left. Though. My issue yeah. really is, do they know what they want to do with him? You know, if he's going to be playing on the left all the time, well, okay, then, then play him there. Or is he going to be in the middle? Because he's a totally different type of player to Gakpo. So I just I don't know what the plan is, but I just like it when Darwin's on the pitch because he just does things. I mean, he he's on for like ten minutes tonight, which I thought was was pretty shit that he only got ten minutes. It should have been on earlier uh, with with Diaz as well. You know, I thought he should have got at least twenty minutes. 
But um, he's on 10 minutes and he still gets himself a goal. And if he hadn't got a goal, you know, he would have done something because he always does. So I just like it when he's on the pitch because he just makes things happen. And it's up to Klopp and the coaches to, to figure out how do we get him on the pitch, where does he play, what's his role, who plays with him. Because you, you, you can't have him on the bench all the time. You paid that money for him. You know, he's supposed to be like the future and then it's like they don't know what to do with him. Yeah. I couldn't I mean, believe it's... he was not starting that game and Jota was when yeah. I saw the team sheet, considering the, the gap. Um from from last week's game and the fact that Jota hadn't scored, obviously it's been, it's proven right because Jota's gone and scored a couple of goals. But I couldn't believe it. It'll be the same next week though. Jota scored twice, so he's not going to leave him out now, is he? Could, could it be a fitness thing? Could it be similar to Curtis and he's on some kind of program and the same things apply if to it him? Is, I then don't tell know. us. It's bizarre. You know, if that's what it is, then tell us because it doesn't do the players any favours. Because again, you know, if you read the forum and like Twitter and that, and people are all speculating, oh, he must be really shit in training. And then and Klopp's coming out and saying how, how everyone's been brilliant in training and it's really hard picking a team. So I don't think he's been shit in training at all, but I don't know why they're, they're not picking him. And if it is fitness-related, fine. Just say, look, he's had some issues, so we're just being careful with him. And and that, mm. that just nips it all in the bud then. You just think, yeah. okay, they're having to manage his minutes. They don't, there's no point taking silly risks with him. You know, It's not like we're challenging for the title or anything like that. If that's the case, then just tell us. I assumed yeah, he hadn't sure. quite got over that shoulder injury because they can be quite funny, can't they? Them ones like popping back out and everything again. So, but as you say, we haven't heard anything, have we? No. So. Mm. And Brownie, one thing that struck me about when the fourth goal in went in, it was uh, Kloppo's like celebration for going four-one up against the relegation threat team. He's not the type to sort of rub it in like that, but I think it was just evidence, like happiness coming from him of seeing what he wanted to see from his team again. Yeah, that's because that's our identity, isn't it? When you watch mm-hmm. it back, it starts with Jota winning a tackle pretty much in our box, and then we spring from there. And that's just when, when we've been at our best over the last few years, that would, it's what we've seen. And there's no one more frustrated with what we've seen this season, I would imagine, than Kloppo himself. So for him mm-hmm. to see those kinds of things going on, it's just like shit. <laughs> it's like a release in it for him when he sees it happening, similar yeah. to what we saw right at the end with the counter-pressing. He buzzes mm-hmm. off it, doesn't he? And yeah. he's he's probably scratching his head and wondering where that's been, as much as we are. Um, that it was a brilliant goal. I mean, it, to, to be fair to Jota, like I just mentioned, I've just watched it back then when you were talking about it, and he wins that tackle on the edge of the box, and then he's hit the ball goes to Mo to score the goal, but Jota's actually made the run, and if he if he passes it the other way, Jota's got to tap in. It's a fair play to him for yeah. covering all that ground, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, definitely, and. One thing I sort of loved from Kloppo tonight, it was kind of evidence to what to what you said about it being our identity and him being relieved to sort of see that from his team again. Maybe that was that was kind of me who said that. But um, I don't know if the Sky coverage stayed with him, the camera on him at the end of the game, and he was walking down the tunnel. And I think our fans are in a different position at Ellen Road now, aren't we? We're, we're kind of on the side. Like, we were always behind the goal for years and years and yeah. years. And you saw as he was going down the tunnel, he was sort of, our fans were giving him a good reception and everything. And he almost like... I don't know if they showed it on UKTV, but he sort of like wiped the pressure off him. Like he put his hands on his sort of yeah. on his chest and sort of like wiped down. It was almost like a fuck, you know, thank fuck for that. Yeah. It was almost a sense of relief from him. And I think that he does think now. I know we sort of questioned whether he really believed it last week or so when he when he's talking about the forward steps that he's seeing. I think he I think he is seeing it, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, he was. 
I think the fans are wanting him to do like the the fist pumps and that, and he was he was mm-hmm. like shaking his head, going, "No, I'm not doing that." But you know, it's not appropriate to be doing that. But you can <laughs> no. see he is he is like looking at uh, relieved, and he does think you can just tell by like the way he's talking. He does think that they're on the way back. They're starting to do the things he wants to do. But it's happened a few times this season, and then like it, they just have a setback, and then. They don't react, you know. They lose all confidence from that. Whereas he used to be able to just shrug them off and just carry on going, doing the thing. It's like as soon as they get like some sort of a setback now, especially like not so much at Anfield because with the crowd there, like last week we're two 0 down away from home. That game's over. But at Anfield, you know, we came back, should have won the game. It was totally played them off the park. Um, so we've still got it in us to do that. But the consistency's not there, and a lot of it's just been how they've reacted to setbacks. They've just started doubting themselves or whatever. And I suppose, like when it, it's so intricate with the counter press and all of that stuff, like if one player is doubting himself and not doing it, it affects everything else. There's a knock-on effect, and then like others yeah. don't know whether to go or whether not to go. And I think that's been going on all season, and we're just late to everything. You know, just like a yard late to every challenge, and like teams are just popping it round us. Whereas like you've got to just go flat out, even if you don't get it, you just you've just got to go. You know you've got to be committed to what you're doing, um, and maybe that's not easy to do when when your confidence isn't there and you're doubting yourself or you're doubting your teammates or whatever. But hopefully like we can just have a good run at the end of the season, and just rebuild that confidence and, and give us something to mm-hmm. build on for next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the fifth goal. <sighs> It, it, it was nice, but by this point, Leeds had completely given up, hadn't they? They were given, they were sitting off us. They were given a space, and it was easy for it just just to knock it back and forth. Um, you know, it was weird watching that back the finish because Hendo crosses it, and Jota Jota sort of comes out towards the edge of the penalty box, and the Leeds def- three Leeds defenders go the other way and just leave him with like a free shot. And yeah. I'm not I'm not really sure about that finish, Brownie. It looked like he shinned it to me, and it was one of those that could have gone anywhere, and it just went. It was just his night tonight for a change, and the oh, stuff no, he's I been. Mean, I thought that was a brilliant finish. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, look okay. brilliant on the replay, but they're really difficult then when they're coming across your body, and especially when it bounces in front of you. It's a good ball by Hendo, but normally when you want them passes, you want it along the ground. When it gets bounced to you like that, they're really awkward. So he's done really well to to pick his spot and get that one in from there. I'll leave it to our uh, resident striker to have a little more of a comment, though, on that kind of finish, because I know what's coming. No, they they are difficult. You you can easily put them over the bar. Um, He's done well. He's just kept his eye on the ball and kept it low right in the corner. Really good finish. Um, it mm. did look like he scuffed it a bit, but sometimes you do need to scuff them. The main thing is like because if you make a, a great contact with that, you can put it in Rosehead. So True. I think it's a it's a it's a good finish. It's not a pretty finish, but I kind of think that sums Jotter up. I mean, Dan always calls him like a knobbly bobbly type player, and he is. Yeah, you know, even when he's doing well, he always looks like he's on the point of like losing the ball or like chipping over his own feet. And and sometimes he doesn't. He goes past like four players and and you know when he puts it in the bottom corner and that when things are going well. But when it's not going well, he can look like a terrible footballer. But it's just his style. He is like a knobbly bobbly footballer. Like it's a, it's a good way of describing him. It really is. Bibbly bobbly. Bibbly bobbly. Yeah, yeah. Bibbly bobbly. <laughs> 
Yeah. He is a scruffy player, though, isn't yeah, he? he is, yeah. He's not somebody who, if you were picking like a five-a-side team, you'd want him in it because he'd just be constantly losing Hell the ball, no. giving it away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want like the technical ones who be last in tight spaces. I'd be, I'd be taking Adrian. I'd be like, yeah, Adrian, yeah. <laughs> come here, lad. That's what I mean. He's <laughs> not an actual like footballer, is he? He's no. just somebody who might pop up and score an important goal every now and again. Yeah, the concern was that he had a bit of a purple patch banging the goals in because. Don't don't forget, like looking back on on his early uh, spell when he was scoring goals, some of them performances were poor. But we weren't really talking about it because mm. he'd scored one or two, and it's a similar thing tonight. His overall performance tonight was shit, wasn't mm-hmm. it? When you look at it, but he's popped up with two goals. So you he's, don't he's really that type of player, isn't he? he is, but yeah. he does put a shift in. He, he he works hard, and you know we said about the goal where he's back winning the ball. There's another goal where he yeah. won it, that like for the second goal. So. He does work hard. Now. He's just not going to be. He's not going to be as pretty as like. Uh, yeah. You know, he's playing on the left, so you're comparing him with like Sadio and Diaz. He's not. He's never going to look like that. He's just not that technical. But he's yeah. he's effective when he's playing well, and he will score goals. So hopefully this he turns the corner now after this. Yeah. Brownie, Dave, and I had this discussion with uh, Dan after the Chelsea game, and. Um, Dan had Jotter on just about on a list of players that he would definitely keep around this summer. Where do you stand with that? No, I'd be, I'd be, I, w- I don't, don't want to go as far as saying I'd be actively looking to move him on, but he'd be very high up the list of players who, if I needed to to get some money in or whatever the reason would be, then he'd be right high up that list. Um, yeah, here's I, one I, for I, you then. Okay, I was just thinking about this today. Not that it would happen, but the thought came into my head today. What if, say, you can get 40 million for Jota and Bayern Munich will accept 20 for Sadio? Would you do that? Take the 20 million profit, get Sadio back, because don't forget Bobby's leaving, so you're going to be a striker down anyway. All day. I don't don't know. My heart says yeah, my head says I don't know whether Sadio Mm -hmm. might be over the hill because he's had a, a bad season did we let him go at the right time or is this just a dip and he'll come back I don't know uh, but my heart, I'd like would, to find my heart out. Would, would definitely do it yeah I think that we having made that decision to to move on from him we would have to stay the course and just we need to get younger all over the field you know but we have because you've got Gakpo and Nunez haven't you so we have got younger up front yeah that wouldn't be my first know. choice to do, by the way. I'm just answering that question, yeah. you know what I mean? If 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 there's other options who are younger, then of course you'd do that, wouldn't you, rather than go back to Sadio? But just, if that was the only option... Then I'm just throwing it. it out there as a hypothetical. Yeah. I'm, as I say, I'm not saying... I don't think there's any chance that we do it, but it was just no. an interesting, interesting no, question. Definitely. I, I mean, I think I wouldn't either because we need cover on the right of the front line rather than getting another left winger in yeah, he played on the right for a season his first season and he was brilliant so. he was brilliant mm. yeah I, I remember us wondering whether it would work and moving mm. to the left because he only moved there because we got Mo wasn't it mm. oh, we may as well talk about the substitutions then because that that brings us to that because Diaz played on the right and Darwin was on the left I thought it would be the other way around when he came on yeah yeah it was interesting yeah mm. Is that, that something else we're looking now? at? Yeah, that's a, what I'm saying about yeah. experiment and looking at different things. Are we looking at maybe... Uh, because we, there's no direct understudy for Mo on that side, and I'm, I'm not describing Diaz as understudy to anybody because, you know, everyone fully fit, on form, he's in my front three on, on the left wing. So 
it's just interesting if he if he can play on the right and be just as effective on the right as he is on the left, that opens up a lot more options where you can play Darwin on the left if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting that Diaz was on the right when he came on. I wonder if they've done that just because it's his first game back as well, though. Mm-hmm. And it's just to ease him in. You know, he's not over what, in his they, normal just position running at, at people. Junior fair yeah, power. Power, yeah. he's the Lord worst player in go. the league. Go on, yeah. go on, Lewis, you play right wing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it could have been just that. I don't know. All right. Well, rounding off the goals then, a couple of minutes to go. And so your boy Darwin gets his goal, Dave. Yeah. Speaking of bibbly bobbly, this was one where Darwin managed to get it out of his feet for a change when he's cleaned through on goal. And um, nice, easy finish. Nice through ball from Trent as well, giving him another assist on the evening. And that was his 50th of his uh, 50th of his Premier League career as well, which is nice. astonishing, yeah. really. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't yeah, think they mentioned that on Sky. No, well, I had Martin Tyler doing the really the, like the world feed, yeah. What was he like when when the yeah. goals went in? Did he get excited over any? Well, I, you know, I, I, no, but I don't think he Leaders gets excited over any goals. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <A> sinister, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool are capitulating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I don't think he gets excited about much anymore. He's a grumpy old man, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is him now. And Andy Campbell does an incredible job with just, like, playing yeah. him up and everything. It's awesome. And i got so much fucking love for those videos when they come out. But, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, but, yeah, that was the sixth. Um, really good finish. Good run, yeah. good finish. Great yeah. ball by Trent. Uh, did you expect him to score, or were you thinking he was going to miss? I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't. No, I didn't he either. Was, he, he was composed, wasn't he? He I, took it well. I expected him to score, um, but I was scared he'd miss, just because I'm like, if he'd have missed, I know everyone would have been like, oh, look, he's shit, he misses chances. So I'm, I'm made up that he scored. I expected him to score, but only because like, the Leeds goalkeeper can't save anything. <laughs> like As long as he hits the target, he's going to score. In, That's the yeah. issue, it's just don't miss the target and you'll be fine. But no, he took it really well, brought it down, nice touch, got it onto his left foot and just rolled it in the corner. Good finish, made up for him. Nice. I mean, can't say fairer than that, right? Four of the forwards scoring. Um, it's kind of what we were used to, really. Everybody getting their name on the score sheet and having something positive to take away from it. And I remember your match reports back in the day, Dave, used to be like absolutely fuming yeah, if all of them, them didn't yeah. score. I know. <laughs> like... <laughs> How spoiled were we back then, though, really? It's like crazy when you think about it now, isn't it? Like, it, it started oh. like it was the 2018, probably, like that season. Mm. Even, uh, it was the season before we won anything, but when Mo scored the 44 goals, that season, like it just felt like the three of them scored every game. Was and it was usually... as well. You're to the, at the start of the season, yeah, and then yeah. He, he left in the January, didn't he? But like it just felt like... They were all on the score sheet. And if one of them didn't, I felt cheated and I felt bad for the player who didn't score because it was so unusual. Uh, but it was usually like Mo getting three and then Bobby would get one and Sadio would get one. Next time it would be like Sadio might get two, Bobby might get two. But Mo was always like every game he was scoring. Um, and yeah, we've just kind of got away from that a little bit. But when we play well, like look, the United game, they all scored the United game, the front three, and then Bobby comes mm-hmm. off the bench. So that's how you know when we've, you know, we're really flying is like the forwards are getting the goals. But we've just had far too many games this season where we haven't scored. 
I think it, uh, the stats before the game, unless I read it wrong, I'm sure it was four away games in a row we hadn't scored mm. before today in the league, which is just mad when you look at it. It's Especially shit, when you it? look at the opposition as well, all shit teams. Yeah. And you're thinking, hang on, like what's going on there? Chelsea, everybody's six. beating Chelsea. I think we're the only team that's not beaten Chelsea in like the last few weeks. You see how many uh, shots Brighton had against them yeah. on the weekend? Battered them, Frank Lampard's the biggest fucking fraud ever in football, by the way. He's, he's the, yeah. he's he's the, the biggest the fraud since George Weah's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's debatable whether George Way's cousin is less of a fraud than Lampard is as a manager. I reckon he's definitely a better manager than Lampard as well. No doubt about it. <laughs> he probably couldn't be worse. It's staggering that like that they brought him back, but it, it, it's just a, uh, it's a fucking loony bin, isn't it? Like Chelsea, the, the decisions they're making, like that owner is an absolute crank. See, he gave the team talk the other day. <laughs> he's what? Off rocker, isn't he? he went in the dressing room but before. Um, I don't know if it was before the Brighton game or if it was before Real Madrid. It's before one of them, and he gave a team talk to the, the players before they went out. And he was also so, like telling people they were going to beat Real Madrid three 0 because James Corden yeah. told them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, what, tell you what sums up our sort of goal-scoring problems this season is that we've scored fifty-six goals all season, and twenty-one of those came in three games. Mm. So in the other twenty-seven games, we've got 30, 35 goals. Terrible. Which is not enough, is it? It's that's, just over one. Just bottom six form, one that is. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'll well, ever be able to yeah. explain this season. You no. know. I just don't think because uh, no, normally when you have a great team and they, and they drop off, it's normally they just drop off a little bit or they go completely to shit. But we we've kind of done both yeah. at the same time. It makes no sense whatsoever. A team and that I, falls I off a cliff doesn't like we have doesn't have those performances. You that, don't that win that nil. You no, don't beat Man United nil, seven, seven nil. nil. It makes no sense whatsoever. It is. It's just completely nuts. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, crazy. Well, we've got a, we've got what six games left now, seven games left, and then this crazy season will come to a close, and then we'll start turning to the crazy off season, which sometimes can feel more frenetic and frantic and just stressful than the the season itself, and. It started early this year, Dave, with the news that last week in midweek that Liverpool pulled out of the race to sign um, Jude Bellingham. How are you doing? Not great. <laughs> uh, like tonight did lift my spirits a bit, but no, I've I've not taken it well at all. Um, just like ugh, there's, there's so much that I could say. Uh, a lot of it I'm probably best not saying because it's a bit reactionary and I could end up looking like a dickhead. Even That's more unusual. You. I know, but. Before I say anything, I want to preface it by saying I'm not completely convinced that we are out of it. I want to say that now. Because if we were still in for him, it's like this would be a smart thing to do. 
Now, <laughs> and also, this is the thing I really can't get my head around. It's like, well, if we are out, what the hell are we doing telling anybody that we're out? What is the, what's the purpose? Why would we do that? You know, why we like, why did that story get out? It was obviously it's come from, from the club and they didn't deny it. You know, Klopp was actually discussing it in his press conference without naming names. He got into hypotheticals about, you know, you, you've got a budget and you've got to decide how you want to spend that and maybe you don't want to spend it on one player and, and all that. I'm like, why are you even talking about this? Just sit there and just say, well, I'm not prepared to discuss the summer's business. You know, you'll find out what we're doing when we do it. There's no point me sitting here months in advance and getting into the possibilities. I'm just not going to talk about it. That's what he should have done, and we would have avoided this whole fucking circus and everyone getting pissed off about it. Now, the reason, if if it's true and we're out, I'm really pissed off about it, and the reason I'm pissed off is not because I'm, like, wanting shiny new things and stamping my feet because we're not breaking transfer records and going for like you know the big name players this is not like sitting here going oh why aren't we in for Killian and Mbappe and all that no the reason why I'm pissed off and the reason why we've all got a right to be pissed off is this is what they sold us on like they may not have said anything publicly but we know how it works all like the journalists who are connected to the club they might not have like a direct line to Klopp getting all like the transfer news but they speak to people at the club who will will say like off the record look this is what the plan is and the club will tell you what they want you to know there'll be some stuff that they just will not say but they've been saying for the best part of two years you know we, we want to go for Bellingham and last summer when we were all saying why aren't we buying a midfielder why aren't we buying a midfielder they're like well if we go and spend our money now what happens next summer when Bellingham's available and we haven't got the money to sign him? You know, we're keeping our powder dry for Bellingham. You've got Trent and Hendo pimping themselves out at England games, you know, putting in all the groundwork. God bless them. They've done a hell of a job and nobody will convince me that Bellingham wasn't well up for it. And now, what must they be thinking when, like, it's all of a sudden, it's like, you know what, actually, we're good. We're going to spend our money in different areas because now we think we need five players rather than two. Now, my view on that is... I, I feel stupid now because all the fans last year, they were like, oh, they're minge bags, they don't want to spend money and all that. I've always railed against that and I've said, no, you know, there's a plan, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think they will find the money for Bellingham, that's who Klopp wants. You know, the money will be there, they'll go and do what, what needs to be done because we didn't do it last summer. And now I'm like, you know what? How can I even? How can I even like try to defend this when people who, who were saying all along there's no way that we'll spend the money that it takes to get Bellingham? How can I like, you know, even argue against that anymore because they were right? Now the only thing I will say is that it's as much clop as it is the owners. You know, the budget is there to get Jude Bellingham. The problem is there wouldn't be a great deal left over to do anything else, and Klopp's obviously decided. He doesn't want to spend all his budget on like one or two players because he feels like there's other holes need filling. Now, what I would say to that is you get the generational talent and then you worry about the rest, you know, because yeah. for all for all we know, I mean, who would have who would have thought at the start of the season that our best midfield player this season would be Stefan Bajetic? And you can you can argue whether he's been our best or not, but he's definitely been in our best three midfield players over the course of a season, performance-wise. I know he's not played that many games and then he got injured, but when he was in the team, 
his performances were like really good and he came from absolutely nowhere so who's to say that somebody else couldn't step up next year and fill a gap and not necessarily just talking about midfield it could be any it could be like Connor Bradley coming back from loan and, and being brilliant at right back which allows us to do more things with Trent this is the thing is like you get the generational talent in Jude Bellingham you get him in and then whatever money else whatever money's left over you do something else and then if it needs be if you need to be selling a few players here and there to, to get another couple in well then you do that I think that's the main priority you do not let a player like that go elsewhere and as I say I'm not convinced that we're out it's also possible that like Bellingham's just said I'm going to stay at Dortmund another year which that's probably the worst possible scenario for us because then what do we do do we do the same thing again where it's like oh do we spend all our money and we want to keep some for next year mm-hmm. we don't want to be in this situation again and I don't think we would be I think Klopp would just go and sign midfielders this summer which means we probably miss out next year when he comes available so you know that would just be incredibly frustrating but um my concern is like the players that we've been linked with I'm okay with them if they were coming with Bellingham but yeah. if you try to sell me on Mason Mount as our like marquee summer signing I can't get on board with that now you, you're bringing in Mason Mount with Jude Bellingham yeah I've, I've got an open mind to that I think yeah I can see that working you know he does bring some things to the table maybe Klopp can convert him into what we need and you know, he might end up being a great signing. I've got me doubts, but, you know, I'd suspend my disbelief there as long as you're still getting, like, the marquee, you know, the generational talent, Jude Bellingham. But if you're trying to sell us on, like, Mason Mount or Conor Gallagher, and I, I really like Conor Gallagher. I've been saying for probably since he was at Palace on loan, we should sign him. He looks a perfect fit for us. So I do like Conor Gallagher, but I wouldn't, I'd be signing him as a complimentary piece. I would not be signing him as like someone who I'm, I'm saying he's going in the team and he's playing every game and we're building our midfield around him. No, he's not that player. He's someone who you're bringing in to replace Ox and he's an upgrade and he might start like 15, 20 games, whatever. So somebody like that, no problem with bringing him in, but not as a as an alternative to Bellingham. So mm. that's the problem I've got is you sold us on this idea of what you were going to do. He's the player we wanted you know, we thought he was going to be like the next Steven Gerrard, all of this stuff. You've got Stevie like flirting with him on TV and, and and talking about how he'll drive over to Germany and pick him up and drive him back himself. You've got Thierry Henry on, on there saying it's it's like the worst kept secret in football. Jude Bellingham's going to Liverpool. So don't tell me that like Jude Bellingham was not interested in coming here and that's why like you know, Klopp's talking about no guarantees and we have to move on if, if you haven't got a guarantee. I'm like, uh, well, what's the guarantee? Is the guarantee on the fee or are you trying to tell us that Bellingham's not giving us a guarantee? I, I just, I don't know what's going on, but the whole thing's just an absolute shit show and it's just infuriated me uh, the way it's being handled. Because if we are out and there's a legitimately good reason why we're out, like he said, actually, you know what? I did want to come, but you're a shit, and I, I'm not going to come. If that's right, the no case, yeah. Well, if that's the case, then then okay. But why are we telling anyone that? Just just let it play out into the summer, and then you sign whoever you're signing, and then whatever happens with Bellingham, he might go somewhere else, or he might stay put, whatever. But just do your thing. We didn't need all of this this week, where everyone's like up in arms about it now, and on, on like a massive downer. And I just felt like it was completely unnecessary the way it's been handled, and. I just if if he ends up going to Man City after all of this, it'd just be absolutely devastating. 
just at, and I know like Brownie, you're really pissed off as well because we've all been talking about it in the chat. And I think all of us are, you know, like even Paul, Paul's like not as angry about it as I am. Paul's been like laughing at like the tantrums I've been throwing, but he, he does kind of feel the same way that you go and get the generational talent. And the only one in the chat that was not really that well, John, John's like totally level-headed at all times and sees the logic and everything and and monty as well but even monty is is like i think he's just posted tonight actually i've come round to the idea you get bellingham and somebody else if they're talking about that gravenberg's 25 million quid if that's the case and we can get him for that don't tell me that we can't afford to sign bellingham and gravenberg because we could and even if that means we 25 million quid you're going to get best part of that if not more by selling Kelleher, who's probably going to want to go anyway because he's too good to not play. So you, and it can't be a wage thing either, can no, it? Because Bobby's on good though, isn't he? And he's Kate going. is going, Ox Nabby, is going. Ox, yeah. And also, on the wage thing, that that's a good point, Brownie, because when we, we keep getting told about, like, oh, the reason why we've not spent is because the wage bill's massive because of all the bonuses we've paid for all winning trophies and all that. Well, yeah, you're not going to be paying out any bonuses now, are you? And there's a good chance <laughs> that next year we're not going to be in the Champions League, so we're going to lose the Champions League money. But I also think there's a, a, that, that will also have a knock-on effect with, with wages. You know, there's not going to be bonuses for that either. So I'm not saying it'll completely offset it, but it'll reduce a lot of like the the so-called damage from not being in the Champions League. You know, you'll make that up in, in other in other ways, which is like not paying out a massive wage bill. You know, your wage bill's going to be significantly less because of the, no bonuses, because it's supposed to be heavily in, incentivized. That's what we keep getting told. So if that's the case, the wage bill's going to drop significantly, and that's before you talk about the players who are leaving and freeing up space. So. They could afford to sign Bellingham and Gravenberch. And if that's all we did in midfield, I'd be good with that. Keep the players we got. You talked about Thiago before. I'm not getting rid of Thiago unless I've got to get rid of him for, for like, you know, to raise money. Uh, and also because we're bringing in like a load of players and then it's like, okay, well, we don't need him because we've got like another three or four new midfielders. But if it's a case of like you keep Thiago for another year, let him see out his contract. And you bring in two midfielders instead of three. Well, I'm fine with that, especially if Curtis proves that like he's a viable option to be playing. You've still got Harvey, who's done well. You don't want to completely, you know, close the door on him. He's still got to have. Well, that's what signing Conor Gallagher would do because they're effectively the same player. Possibly, but then all, the the other side to that is this new system with with like Trent in midfield. Well, look at where Hendo's been playing, and I'm looking at that and going, Bellingham would be perfect for that. Because he's got mm. the legs to get around. Because Hendo, God bless Hendo, he was he was constantly trying to get on the overlap for Mo. Whenever the ball goes out there, Hendo's charging out to the right hand side all the time. He's having to do like a lot of running. Now, Bellingham in that role to me, aren't my, my mouth's watering. Going, that'd be perfect. You know, in playing that position there, if that's how we're going to set up, he'd be brilliant in that role. But he'd be brilliant anyway. You know, he's he's like. Such a complete midfield player. He can, he can be a six. He yeah, can be an eight. You could, he can you could be do, a ten. You, you can could have you, you could have him and Trent as like the double pivot if you wanted to do that. If you wanted them like making runs ahead of the forwards, you can do that. So I just think like what it comes down to at the comparison that I'd make is if you go back and say Steven Gerrard wasn't playing for us. And I'm not going to say 19-year-old Gerard because Bellingham's more advanced at 19 than Gerard was. But let's say 21-year-old Steven Gerrard is available and you've got the choice of signing Steven Gerrard like, and using most of your budget on doing that 
or you can go and get Lucas, Momo, Yossi Benigan, Albert Riera. Just those, just plucking those names out. Just like good but not great players. What would you do? Would would you go and sign like the functional players? You will do a job for you, and they won't be the stars, but they'll fill places in the squad and be reliable when they play. Or do you get the generational talent? And to me, it's just it's a no-brainer. You do yeah. everything you can to go and get you Bellingham and they worry about the rest later. Because it, it, even if you needed to, there'll be players out there who you can take a punt on somebody. Look, the, the players who Brighton have been signing for peanuts and are now worth like 90 million within like 12 months. Well, maybe maybe it's time the scouts started earning the money and discovering a few of those for us. Now, maybe mm. the scouts are recommending those players and we've just not gone for them. Who knows? But there is you can, you can take a risk with a couple of those or... If you get a Bosman who's coming in just to fill in for a year or two, somebody like James Ward-Prowse, if Southampton goes down, you bring James Ward-Prowse in as like someone who's you know a, a good squad player just to, to give you those numbers. You know, there's things that you can do while spending the, the bulk of your budget so, on the generational talent. Just on what you're saying there, Dave, what, what do we think is going to happen in terms of outgoings in midfield then? I think it's a given, isn't it, that Naby and Ox are going. Do we yeah, think there's going to be more high-profile stuff going on? No. Like for being yo, for instance. Mm, I don't, but I'm no, trying to understand the logic of the club because just purely on numbers, they've gone with this number of midfielders for this season, haven't they? Mm. And we know two are going. So, logically, two need to come in. So might be I don't understand that, though, why... But if well, it is that's more, what I'm saying. It, so, if there is more, that opens up even more wage bill and you get fees coming in for them people who are going it, as well. If, like, if, for example, four went, you wouldn't need to bring four in because when we had those numbers at the start of last season, that was not including Bajetic. Yeah. So he comes in and that means like one less player that you have to sign. Yeah. So... If you if two go out, yeah, you'd want to replace the two. But like if four went out, you wouldn't need to go and get four. So I I don't know what's going on. Fabinho's the really interesting one for me. I don't think there's any way that Thiago's going to be sold. I think Thiago's going to be here till the end of his contract. He won't get a new contract and he'll he'll leave on a free, which is fine because we paid twenty million, but it was like four four payments of five million for him. So. You know, no problem there. Let Thiago see his What's contract. What's he got out. left? Is it two years? One, one, I think he's got. One. I think after this, he's got one. I year. think there's a decent chance he will. You know, go. I, I don't. I, I just don't see that happening. Fabinho's the interesting one. Like Hendo's not going to go either. Uh, Milner, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, but yeah, Fabinho's the interesting one. But the reason why I think Fabinho's going to stay is all the players we're getting linked with. None of them are like Fabinho types. Yeah. No, so, they're all late, aren't they? Yeah, More yeah. So like I, I think that they're probably they're, they're, they're going to keep him, and then maybe they replace him like next year or whatever. But I honestly no idea what's going to happen because this has shook me to my core this week because I had it all worked out. Okay, so we're signing Bellingham, and I really like the idea of getting Bellingham and Gravenberch as like you know the two eights, two young, yeah. athletic, get round the pitch, put the foot in, good technical players as well. I really like that idea of having the two of them. I didn't like the idea of Gravenberg instead of Bellingham, though, and that's what it's looking like at the moment. That 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 might be the case, um, and then you know you throw in like this obsession with trying to get players from Chelsea. I mean, we're getting linked with like the centre back who's on loan at Brighton. He never even plays. I don't know what's going on there. I think he's like started six games for Brighton or something like that, and everyone's supposed to be in for him because there's like a big fire sale at Chelsea. I'm like. I don't know. I want someone, if we're bringing a centre-back in, I want someone that's going to put pressure on Virgil. 
not someone yeah. who's just going to be there like to, to play like half a dozen games a season when Virgil needs a rest. So I d- I've no idea what we're going to do. And to be honest, I don't trust the process anymore. You know, everything we did was like so good, so well planned. The Michael Edwards leaves, and then Julian Ward's in the job five minutes, and then announces, "Now you know what? This is not for me. I'm I'm going to leave at the end of the season." And you're like, "What's going on there?" There's, it's a dream job. You're a Liverpool fan. You've worked your way up from like loans development officer at the academy to like one of the top five jobs in European football, and you're walking away from it. You know, there's, there's got to be like a reason why. Um, no idea what that reason is. I'm not even going to speculate, but it's it seems weird. Um, and then you get all of this going on. It's like I just don't I don't feel like we're with a smooth operation that we were when we were winning and we were just getting all yeah, the decisions. It was like right. a well-oiled machine. And yeah. it, was, it felt stable, didn't it? And it yeah. isn't anymore. And yeah. you know what? This is the thing. What we were doing was like that was not the norm. You know, most teams do not operate as well as that, and we needed to be like that. We needed to be pretty much perfect to be able to compete with City and we were you know other than we, the cater signing didn't work out it was the logic for signing them was sound we all thought he was going to be really good and um, you can argue about Ox but Ox was, was doing well till he got that injury and then things just went south for him but we had to be pretty much perfect with everything we did and we were and then the second you get away from being perfect you can no longer compete with City because they've just the, the money that they've got to if they can make mistakes and we can't really and it just it doesn't feel like what it was where everything we did you could see there was a plan and yet yeah you can see why we've done that that makes sense now it, and, and if it didn't make sense you still just went you know what they know what to do and what do i know i'm not going to question it and and it was usually it was proved to be right whereas now don't have that confidence in the plan i'm not seeing Things that are making me think, yeah, they know what they're doing, and I, yeah, I've got I've got big concerns about the summer, but I'm I'm hoping that I'm wrong and that the, they've not given up on Bellingham, and this is all just part of part of the dance. Mm-hmm. It's not beyond the realms as well, though, Dave. That we could be looking back on it in a few months' time, and we didn't get Bellingham, and we got Gravenberch instead, and his boss, and you know, Bellingham goes elsewhere and doesn't start great, and then we're looking at it and going, ah, well, it's not as bad as it could have been. It's possible. <laughs> there's a caveat. There's a caveat coming, but the, the, that misses the point though. When there's a player who everybody wants to sign, and we want to sign, as you've said, he's a generational talent. For me, he's a transformational player in in the sense that he's the type of player who comes in and he makes other players look better than they are, or yeah. he helps them get back to what they were. Like it's 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 not just the tangibles with this kind of signing. It's the message it sends. It's the boost it gives to everyone. Yep. It's more than just bringing one player in. It's what it says to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. we've had a shit season, but look who we can still attract. Yeah. And we're coming back mm-hmm. again next season, so you better be fucking ready for it. There's a lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm pissed off about it. I think yeah. it's a massive mistake if it's true. What are you hanging your hat on, Dave? That you know you mentioned that you're not convinced that you're not 100 percent convinced that it's that it's off and this is part of the dance. Is there anything tangible that you can point to, or is it just your unwillingness to give up on it? Uh, well, a lot of it is unwillingness to give up on it, but there are there are certain things that, like as I say, why if why would you do it? Why would you be like saying, oh yeah, you know what, we're out, 
why, why would you tell anyone that? This like, Perhaps it's just like to stop the kickoff in the summer when it doesn't happen, you know. Well, and have to kick off now while we're, we're playing games. It's just, it why would you do it before the end of the season? We've just won a game 6-1. Yeah. Let's let's say we finish the, the last eight games. We've got eight games left. Let's say we, we go on a mad run and win every single game, right? Yeah. And then suddenly we're like, you know what? We don't need to do as much work as we thought we did. Because these things can change. We've seen that. Like, who'd have thought we would be where we are just a few months ago? Yeah. These well, things are interchangeable. What if Curtis is brilliant between now and the end of the season? What if Fabinho, yeah. like, Fabinho's already started looking a bit like his old self anyway, on and off. He's not been brilliant mm. every game, but he hasn't been shit for a while either. So what if Fabinho finishes the season really strong? What yeah. if Curtis looks really good? And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? We don't need four midfield players. We can get by with two. And then... You, you you want a centre back, maybe you want a right back, whatever. You can find them for like a, a decent amount. You don't need to spend a shitload of money on those positions. And if you do, you've got players who you could move out if you wanted to bring in extra cash. So yeah, why why rule yourself out of it now? Unless there's something that they know that we don't know. But even if that's the case, why you're publicly well, as publicly in terms of letting it get out there and then not denying it, you know, not refusing well, to Well, Jürgen basically confirmed it, didn't he? Yeah, in the, he in did. In the press comments on Friday. He did, and he didn't so. need to. Like, that's the thing. Why are you doing that? Why didn't you just say no comment? We don't need to know. if we're Whether we're in for Bellingham or whether we're not, as fans, we do not need to know that. Just fucking handle your business. Don't be bringing us into it by, like, letting us have access to this information. That Like, I don't want access to that. I'd rather be in complete denial about it right now and then deal with it in the summer when, like, he ends up going somewhere else. I don't need months of being pissed off about it. Like, just let me deal with it at the time with, like, the initial shock. I don't want, like, a two-month build-up to it before he ends up going elsewhere. So I just don't see the, the sense in doing that. Plus, like Brownie said, things can change. Dortmund may lower the price. Bellingham may well say, because there's all the reports that come out of Germany are still saying stuff like he wants to go to Liverpool and he'll stay at Dortmund rather than be forced into a move elsewhere. Like we've seen that the other day, like German journalists were saying that, which basically is saying, well, maybe he doesn't want to go to Man City and tough shit whether Dortmund would rather sell there for a higher amount or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So things can change. So I don't know how we can completely rule ourselves out when circumstances can change. So that's why I'm not, completely sold on this he's definitely not coming here um but if he's not then i'm massively pissed off especially you know we've publicly like courted them for so long you've got our players like hanging around with them all the time and i'm not saying they're doing that just for us to sign i'm sure they really like the lad and they're good mates with them so it's not like it was a real chore for them to be hanging out with them that's not what I'm saying at all. But you know that they'll have been saying to him, yeah, you know, you want to come and sign for us, like, Klopp loves you, you know, you'll love it here. And now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah looks like we're not going for you now. I mean, yeah. what, how are they going to feel about it? Because I'd be feeling pretty let down if I'd been getting told, look, we really want this lad. Tell him, you know, you do, you do the tapping up. They've done all the legwork on it and then they're just left with the dicks in their hand. You don't know that they do you. Oh, like that's do. a massive assumption. It's that's not. an assumption on your part. Though. No. The players never, are mates I, and they talk. Yeah, and I've never like read as much into that as you have. I must definitely have. have. No, I'm, I've, I know what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, and maybe that they've just taken it upon themselves to to do that. And, and they're I not going to do like, that if 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 like the club can't afford them. Why? 
Why would they do it? You know, pl- players get on like they don't care about as much about that stuff it's as like it's, it's more like they're not going to be tapping. It's more like the NBA no, where I'm they're not all like being out and them. laughing after the game and deciding where they're going to go for dinner and stuff. Rather no, than, I, I you know, misunderstood what you're saying. I, I don't mean about them like they, they wouldn't hang out with them. That's not what I'm saying. I thought you were saying that, that they're not tapping them up. Because they blame no, that's are. what I am saying. Oh, no, they are. Maybe they're definitely they're, tapping no, them no, up. Come on, well, maybe they've, they've taken it upon themselves to do that. But what I think this might be, this is the best way I can explain it, right? It's what it's what people who have been kicking off about FSG have said all along. It's the long con. They've just taken us for a ride and allowed us to think that this is going to happen. Yeah. And then pulled the rug. That's what I don't think they were ever going to spend 120, 130 million pounds on one player. It's just not their style. So I just think that we've, they've strung us along and we've all gone along with it. Most of us have anyway. Some people have been saying, yeah, as if that's going to happen. Like you look at the forum, half the people are like, yeah, there's no way we're going to spend 120 million pounds yeah. on one player. And so, so I just think that's what it is. That's I'd what it comes know, down you know, to. I'd, I'd love to know thing, because yeah. everyone's saying it's Klopp who's making that decision. And, and, and Klopp, was, Klopp had the chance to say, you know, Klopp, all, these, all like the stories that came out all said it's Klopp's decision. The, the money's there to do it, but there's not much money to do anything else. And Klopp's decided that's not the way I want to go. So there's nothing to say he's been told you can't sign Jude Bellingham. It's like, well, you can sign him, but you're not going to be able to do much else. So it's semantics, really. You know, either way, it's he should have he should be getting backed more. I'm not disputing that at all, and that's why I'm I'm pissed off with the whole. Why are we not spending a load of money this summer? Because the money should be there for us to have like a massive spend. And we'll see at the end of the summer, we'll see how much we've spent at the end of it. Um, I'm just not prepared to be giving them the benefit of the doubt over this anymore because all the people who've said, ah, you know, they're they're not going to spend, we won't get Bellingham. They've been proved right, but I also think that there is an element that Klopp's making the decision he doesn't want to spend the vast majority of his budget on one player as opposed to him being told, you can't buy him. I don't think he's been told you can't sign him. I think he's looking at his budget. And this is everything that he said himself points to this. He's like, I get told what the budget is. The budget is the budget. And then we decide, well, how are we going to spend this? He said that himself. So but everything, everything we know about Jurgen Dave, right? Everything we know about him and when it comes to loyalty to, and his commitment to players and his unshaking belief in in those people like when he identifies the player that he wants like everything we know about him doesn't jive with the fact that he would be courting this player for so long he would have his sight set on for so long his trajectory has only gone up since then he's ha- and then he's having his players tap him up at England games I don't think that what we know about him he changes his mind in that circumstances and reneges on his commitment that we're all assuming that he's made to that player privately, right? Or his family or whatever. Like, I just don't think that's his style. No, but then what the reports all said was that initially the plan was not that we needed a shitload of players. And then because the team just like fell off a cliff this year and all of a sudden there's like holes appearing everywhere. And he's like, okay, I do need more than this now. And he's deciding... I can't spend all my budgets on like one or two players when I need four or five or whatever. Not just midfield players, but like as I say, centre back, possibly right back. You know, so I think that factors into it as well. And I just think that ultimately it will be his decision how he wants to spend the budget. And I'll just be interested to see what that budget ends up being. How much will we spend? Because if what we spend is significantly more than the valuation of Bellingham, well then we know. 
it was Klopp's decision to do it. Now, if he ends up getting stiffed and we spend like a hundred million net, um, we have to sell players to bring money, and at the end of it, it's like he spent a hundred million. Then we can be pointing the finger and saying, "You fucking minge bags, you've sure changed them again." Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I've not, I've not gone down that road before. And I just feel like I can't be given the benefit of the doubt anymore. It you feels know? like Let's to me see. every year for the last few years it's been we are going to spend big, just not now. Yeah, we are going to spend big, has. just not now. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're trying to give as much benefit of the doubt as you can. Well, at some and point like, you draw the line, don't you? you pay, yeah, yeah, you lose your patience, don't mm-hmm. you, at some point. And this is, that's that breaking point now. So I, I understand why what your reaction was the way it was, Dave. I think a lot of Liverpool fans would have felt exactly the same way. Yeah, and you could also make the argument that they've like they've strengthened in the area by bringing in three forwards in just over twelve months in Diaz and Gakpo and Nunez, and that is what's cost us the chance at Jude Bellingham because we've spent about one hundred and twenty million quid on those three, at least one hundred and twenty quid on those three and, players. And not FSG again, which right goes so. to and Klopp's never shied away from that. He always says. I get told the budget and then I decide what I want to do with that yeah. budget. He's never shied away from that. He's never like tried to pass the book on any of that. He uh, doesn't even moan about what the budget is. No, he does doesn't. He? He doesn't. <laughs> like, he's such a positive person. He, he won't allow any negativity to come into it. No. Even, even if he thinks like it's difficult for him to compete, he, he doesn't focus on that, does he? No. He looks at the positive of absolutely everything, yeah. which I don't know how he's looking to positive of this, to be honest. No. Because the money should be there. It really should, because if you're thinking about like last summer, what we bid for the the lad who went to Real Madrid, Chiuamini, however you pronounce it, we bid seventy million for him, and he went there instead. We didn't spend that money, you know that was available for a midfielder. The club were just were briefing people. We want Bellingham. We actually went for Bellingham last summer, and Dortmund were like, no, come back in twelve months. We're definitely not selling now. Maybe in twelve months. So that was what they were putting out there. They were saying, look, we wanted Bellingham. We went for him can't do it this summer but that's the plan so we're not going to buy other players because of that so the money was there then plus we were even money... talking on here dave about throwing extra money at it if you remember yeah like we were saying okay maybe it's 100 but let's just give them 120 because yeah. that assumption's always been there that there's money sitting waiting to be spent i know it's not as simple as that it's not like championship yeah. manager well, it wasn't possible um, to do that but the fact we were talking about that also we knew a year ago, it was going to be minimum of 100 million. So this is not suddenly surprised and whatever the price is. Now, okay, if it's gone up to 130, but you're still going to have wiggle room. They might be asking 130. That doesn't mean they'll get 130. You know, that's your starting point, isn't it? So I just think it's just weird. I just think the whole thing's really weird, the way it's played out. And I don't understand why we've let it play out. We should have just said nothing. I just think we're not acting like a big, serious football club in this like who, who does this when, when do you ever see the, you know the other big clubs you were competing with turn down the chance to do something like this and we we can go on about after letting everyone and think you were gonna do it yeah and i know we're competing against cheats and that comes into it and that's important context and everything and maybe they've got more resources blah 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 but you don't ever see anyone turning down the chance to do it that's what pisses me off about mm. it I mean, look at it from this point of view as well. Like when, when like the um, all like the figures came out about like richest clubs and all of that stuff. Last year wasn't like the first year we finished above United. Like um, in terms of revenues, we brought in more than United. Yeah, that was like the first time that that's happened. So we brought in more than United. So and United's wage bill is bigger than ours. 
How are they able, with despite having to pay the Glazers fucking fortunes, how are they still able to be spending shitloads of money on players while we're like, oh, no, too rich for our blood. Can't do that. How, how is that? I mean, I'm not an accountant, so I don't understand all of this stuff. But when, when like, fans are going on about other teams spending more than us, and I'm like... I can't explain it. You know, it's, it, it seems like a valid argument to me. We should be able to spend more than we do if we're like second richest club, third richest club in the world, whatever it is, according to like the the last rankings. How are we like still going? Ah, you know, we can't. We haven't got it. We can't do that. Why not? Why can't you? Yeah, I remember saying like when we won, ev- we literally won everything you could win over the space we, of a couple of years, and we still didn't spend money. I know we and, bought Harvey Elliott, didn't we? Yeah, I, I remember like saying on here like, how are we not like throwing money around now? Like that is literally we bought Shakiri <laughs> and and uh, that is literally the moment to... when if you're gonna spend money, that's when you would spend money because yeah. you've won everything there is to be won. You're at the pinnacle of the sport, so. Uh, but then we were still getting outspent by fucking teams like Wolves and stuff like that. I never mm-hmm. understood it. And then they hid behind COVID for two years. Mm-hmm. There's all. That's, so, it's like what Brownie said. There's yeah. always something. It's like, right. yeah, you know, next year is going to be the big one, and there's always like a reason for it. And then that year just never seems to arrive. And you know, like Ornstein said yesterday um, about like he said that they're out of the Bellingham race, but they are going to spend really big this summer. I'm like, well, if we were spending, that makes no sense. If we were spending really <laughs> big, then we should be in for Bellingham, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. it's frustrating, yeah. and then as well, like the players you get linked with, and I really like these players, like you know, Saicedo and McAllister. I really like both of them. I think they're both top quality, and I'd love to have them here. I think they'd be great for us. But the the rate is at about like eighty, ninety million quid. Like, well, if you're paying that for them, like say McAllister, for example, if you pay eighty million for McAllister. He's what? What is he? 23, 24, 24, something like that. So, five years older than Bellingham. It's a false economy. Just, just pay yeah. the extra and get Bellingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't think that we will pay eight, seventy, eighty million for those people. No, but that's what it <laughs> takes to get them because Brighton don't yeah. fuck about. They, they've got the price, no, and you know yeah. they could have sold Saicedo for seventy million in in January. Arsenal desperately wanted them, and they refused. They're like, no, that, that's that's not Why enough. Why wouldn't we spend yeah. seventy or eighty though on someone like that? I mean, we did on Darwin, didn't we? But if you're doing that, then pay the extra for Bellingham. No, I agree. I'm just mm-hmm. pushing back on the point that I can I can well see us going and spending seventy or eighty. Mm-hmm. I guess the the point here is is that's different to one hundred and twenty five, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm in the camp that they should do it. But there is still a gap there, and we have shown in the past that we will spend seventy-five to eighty. It's just that we don't seem to want to go any further than that. Yeah, and I just don't see the sense because if it's somebody you're getting for like the next ten years minimum, you could even say like longer than that. But you've got to worry about the burnout factor because Bellingham's played a lot of games for a nineteen-year-old. Then you you factor in Klopp's style of play and the toll it takes on players. So you might only get ten years rather than. You know, you, you still see him, or he could be playing when he's 34, 35. Probably not with the high intensity that that Klopp plays at. But you're looking at like a 10 year player. I just don't see why you wouldn't do it. But you, know, you we'll said see. earlier that the worst thing that could happen is that he stays there for another year. Um, yeah, because it's, it's the no, it's it the no chance the... that. Yeah, but it's the no chance that he signs a contract and then he puts a release clause in, which is significantly less. 
than what the price would be now for them to get another year out of him. Well, and then somebody if, gets him. I'm just thinking about the Haaland situation. I don't think he his release to. clause was tiny, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, but I don't think he'd need to because he's on, after like he's got two years left now. So if he doesn't leave this summer, then next summer he's only got a year left. So what happened with Haaland? Because didn't he sign like a? just a small uh, contract possibly, towards the end it was really weird the way it, it seemed to happen but don't get me wrong there'll be some dodgy shit the agent got fucking 40 million quid yeah and then dropped dead not long after alright we're getting off track there. <laughs> <laughs> no we can't do it again um, alright well any any Dave give me like a give me like a closing sentence on this on this whole saga like um, I just what I said to start with I'm not convinced that it's off the table but if it is then I feel like seriously pissed off about it and it'll take some getting over Brownie we should sign Jude Bellingham and we are knobheads if we don't <laughs> alright a great one other point I, this is something that I think it's worth mentioning if we don't sign him whoever comes in it's going to be difficult for them especially if it's if it's Mason Mount or Conor Gallagher if they don't get off to a really good start I think let me just are, say it now Mason Mount can fuck right off I don't want <laughs> anything to do with him it's got nothing to do with Jude Bellingham by the way I just just know I might be in the minority yeah. there and I'll put me head on the block now just know I don't want to You're read right it though, but Dave. I would keep an open mind on it if it's if it started going wrong with with Mason Mount, he he'd be on a very short leash in he terms would. of the crowd and everything. With that Chelsea haircut and that Chelsea upbringing, yeah, Lampard and just everything boy, about him just yeah, no. everything about him just stinks of Chelsea. So you know, yeah. I, I just think that he would have to be pretty shit hot out of the gate to win us over in the first place. And if, um, if he's not, then he's you know he's going to get all the Chelsea Tories. <laughs> I can just imagine yeah. John Gallagher giving him the Chelsea <laughs> tour. <laughs> Do you not think as well? He seems like. One of those players who would sulk if he had to leave Chelsea and move up north. Yeah, definitely. And Conor yeah, Gallagher, there was, style. there was a story, I don't know if it's bullshit or not, but I've seen something about Conor nice Gallagher's artist. not keen on, on moving up north. He wants to stay in London and he, it would take a hard sell to get him to move to Liverpool. I'm like, fuck off! <laughs> yeah. A hard sell? No, you know what? You know yeah. what, Connor? If that's how you stay feel, there. go and sign for West Ham or Fulham. That's fine. Right. You know, if, if you want to stay in London, good luck to you. Uh, we're not we're not fucking groveling to get you up here. But it, well, could, Mason, it could be total bollocks. So, yeah. I don't know. That's just how I feel about Mason Mount. He's like the archetypal Chelsea, uh, Tottenham signing, isn't he? Like, not quite good enough for Chelsea. The next stage down is Tottenham and his career fades into virtual insignificance yeah. playing for an average Spurs team. They usually um, do that with the managers. Spurs yeah, right, absolutely exactly. love a, a failed Chelsea manager. <laughs> oh, man. Well, those two are going for the same manager now, so they'll have the, another opportunity no, in six months when Bowley, finds, when Bowley fires Nagelsmann, Spurs will end up with him. No, Graham Potter will be going to Spurs. <laughs> He's next in line. Or Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Hey, guys, we've gone fucking way long here. Yeah, close to two here. hours, I think. So um, that's a good place to draw a line under it, I think. Um, thanks for, for listening. If you stayed with us um, through this one... <laughs> In case you forgot, Liverpool won 6-1 tonight. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, nice one, De- uh, nice one, Dave. Nice one, Brownie. Um, we'll be back after the Forest game. On oh, when is it? Is it Saturday, 3 o'clock, this one? Yeah. Yeah. 
Hooray, Saturday 3 o'clock game. Yeah, Dave will be back with some of the boys after hopefully a nice big win at Anfield, although um, considering Dave's opinion on what effect it'll have on Everton, I'm not sure he'll be too happy about it. But yeah, back no, after No, I've given Forrest. up on Forrest. They're down. Forrest are gone. All right. So you're pinning your hopes on Leicester? I am. I'm pinning all my hopes on Leicester. All right, fair enough. Okay, nice one. Well, <laughs> nice big win, win over Forrest on Saturday then. And uh, until after that game, we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this it was really good